that is feeling more distant, God is closer than you think. Well, this morning we continue our series called Closer. I will be in the Sermon on the Mount that is found in Matthew 6, 31 through 30. Four. I want to set up this passage for you a little bit. Jesus is on the side of a mountain, and it must be springtime because he's noticing the blooming flowers and he's noticing the sparrows. And he's saying, hey, don't worry about your life. Doesn't God take care of you more than the lilies of the field? Doesn't God take more care of you than the sparrows that are flying around? And just like springtime here in Bozeman, Montana, we see the birds flying around and we begin to see tulips popping out of the ground. So this is a great passage for us to engage with this morning in a sermon I'm calling Simplify. Matthew 6, 31 through 34. You can follow along with me if you've got your Bible in front of you or the words will also be on your screen. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So earlier this week, I had a thought in mind, and, and we've been working on this thought for a while. Lori and I have been kind of contemplating. We've been in our house almost uh, a year now and been trying to figure things out. You know how long it takes to just get settled and sorted and get everything in its proper place. Uh, and, and I decided, hey, it's time for me to go down to uh, Lowe's and get me a shed. So I went down to Lowe's and bought a kit to build uh, shed. And for the last couple days, I have been trying to put a shed together. And as I've been building this shed, I've been convicted because I'm writing a sermon called Simplify, but I'm building a shed. Can you feel the irony already? Okay. I mean, here's why I'm building a shed and here's maybe why you have a shed. I got a lot of gear. I don't know about you, but I got a lot of gear. If I look in my garage, I got camping gear, I've got hunting gear, I've got fishing gear, I've got all my tools, and I've got my workbench, and I've got a lot of stuff, right? 
And so as we were looking at that and parking some cars in there and trying to figure it out, we realized we don't have enough room. So man, wouldn't it be nice if we could put our mower and our outdoor stuff in a shed outside and we can move some of my gear out to the outside because I just have too much stuff. I, I have more probably than I need. Well, I don't know about you, but for me, uh, uh, gear is kind of my thing. Here in Bozeman, I I'm sure I'm talking to a couple of folks who are gear guys and gals, right? You have lots of outdoor gear. For some of you, though, you've got gadgets. You've got lots of gadgets. So you've got the newest iPhone. You've got the newest uh, 65, 70-inch TV. You've got more gadgets than you can deal with. Maybe for you, it's shoes, Oh, I've got a little too close to home there for some of you, okay, right? You got too many shoes, you got more shoes than you need. And it's not just maybe about stuff, maybe it's money. You're thinking, man, if I just had a little more money, if I just had a little bit more money, or if I just had a little bit more power, or I just had a little bit more control, we are people who like a little more. Here's the big idea this morning. In a world where we often have more, God is often closer when we have less. In a world where we often have more, God is often closer when we have less. Before we get into this, I do want to give a, a sort of a clarification and that is this, what I'm not saying this morning is that poor people are closer to Jesus, okay? I'm not just, I'm not making that blanket statement. I'm not saying uh, that this is a poverty sermon, okay? But what I am saying in, is there's this unique moment in front of us and I don't want us to miss it, right? I know that God gives in abundance and that if we attribute the more to him, God gladly gives us more and more and more. But what I wanna talk about is leaning into what's happening in our world right now. And what's happening in our world right now is in a world of more, we have less because of what's going on around us. And so the moment is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us. I think most of us see this as pure drudgery, but I think it is a tangible opportunity to grow in the midst of this moment. This moment in history is a unique opportunity for us to embrace less. This moment in history has been given to us and it's a unique opportunity for us to embrace less. Now there's two ways to think about that. Number one, you can think about it this way, right? Okay, Buddy the Elf, right? You've seen the scene, he comes up, tries to give the raccoon a hug, raccoon grabs him by the neck, uh, doesn't somebody need a hug, right? This, this moment has taught us to embrace, to hug less. Now, some of you are huggers and I ain't gonna say any names, but Bob, Oh, that dude loves to hug, right? Can I get an amen on our church online platform somewhere? Bob loves to hug and you're missing his hugs, right? But this opportunity has uh, taught us to hug less, okay? It's taught us to embrace each other less. And when we come back and we get back in here, here's what you're gonna get from me. Smile and a nod, that's what you're gonna get, okay? You go to Bob, you get your hug, you're gonna smile and a nod from me, Okay? because we have been taught to embrace less. The other side of this though, the second piece of this, is that we've been taught, we've been given the opportunity to think about uh, holding on to less. 
that in this world, in this moment, what we've been learning is that we need to embrace less in our life instead of more. This moment has led us to a life that is less complicated, less hectic, less hurried. It's a little less. And, and there's a few of you who are saying, no, 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 not for me, and I get it. You have worked just as hard or harder in this moment, but with your schools closed, your stores closed, your restaurants closed, and other, everything else closed, life has become less in many ways. And I want us to see this as something good for us. Not something that we can avoid or try to escape from, but something we can lean into. Because I think if we lean into the less, I think we're going to grow closer to God. Bob set it up this way uh, last week. He said, this is an opportunity for us to exercise our spiritual muscles, right? For us to grow closer to God, for God to be able to chisel us and shape us into who he wants us to be. So I want to introduce this morning a closer exercise to you. Here's the closer exercise. You want to simplify to essential living. Simplify to essential living. I'm so tempted to tell an essential oils joke, but I feel like I've used that up too much, so I'm not going to, okay? But I'm going to say this. Essential has become a really interesting word, hasn't it? Like some of you found out your jobs weren't essential and you were like, I thought my job was essential, right? The dude off had taken, Liam Neeson, he thought he was essential. He's got a specific set of skills, but he learned he wasn't essential. This is something we've heard a lot about. And what I want us to lean into is what does it look like for us to live an essential life, to simplify all the other things so that we might live an essential life life. That, that word essential, it, it just means this, what you really need. What you really need. And in a life where we have more, uh, it's not that we have what we need, it's that we have more than we need. But if we want to simplify to essential living, we got to back up to what really, really matters. I mean, how, how much do I need that toilet paper? A lot, probably. All right, okay. How much do I need that Job. Many of us, we actually found out that we weren't living essentially. Instead, we were living without any margin. That, that we probably should have learned some things in 2008, but we didn't learn those things in 2008. And now we have no margin because we forgot, we forgot essential living. We forgot to simplify our lives. We forgot to focus on the things that are necessary. So we need to simplify our life to the essentials. Simplify and God will be closer than you think. So I want to give you four tips for essential living. Four tips to help you simplify your life and live an essential life. And I want to take the pieces of Jesus' teaching here, I kind of want to break them apart and I want to give us these four tips. So number one is this, watch your consumption. Watch your consumption. So Jesus begins this little section by saying this. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? What, what are you consuming right now? 
Uh, Nielsen's Consumer Report came out this past week. Uh, during the pandemic, it reported this, that there's been a 25% rise in alcohol sales, which means what? The consumption on alcohol is going up. Some of us can't deal with this moment right now, so we're escaping to alcohol. We're consuming alcohol to, to just deal with this moment. 25% increase in sales. What are you consuming? Uh, are, I know you're not consuming just toilet paper at the grocery store because the shelves are still empty too, right? I mean, there's all these jokes and memes going around about us coming out of quarantine with a couple extra pounds on us because of how much we're eating. What are you consuming? Amazon Prime, Hulu, Disney Plus, Sling TV, and Netflix. And I got more, but like, Right, we even have this phrase, right? Okay, here, here's the guy from Dosa Keys, which is probably somewhat inappropriate because I just said we're consuming too much alcohol, but it's the guy from Dosa Keys, okay? And he says this, I don't always find a TV series I like on Netflix, but when I do, I watch all six seasons in six days. We actually have a culturally accepted statement in our culture. I'm binge watching. Isn't that interesting? I mean, have you thought about that statement? I'm binge watching my favorite episode of Mandalorian. I mean, that's a little more redemptive. And then for some of you, I'm binge watching Tiger King. Come on, man. God, come on. You need to pray a little more. Okay. I don't have time. Confession was last week. Watch that one and then come back. Okay. Okay. What are you consuming? What do you consume? I want to make a pretty big statement this morning, and here it is. Whatever you consume will eventually consume you. Whatever you consume will eventually consume you. This is one of those lessons we learn when we're just a little kid, and our mom says, hey, uh, whatever you put into your mind, that comes out of your mouth, right? Whatever you hear that's what you learn, and that's what comes out of your mouth. Jesus actually said it this way, right? The good that is stored up in our heart comes out in our lives as good, but the bad that is stored up in our lives, it comes out as bad. And we will know each other by our fruit. We'll know what's going on inside by what's coming out on the outside. What you consume will eventually consume you. So here's the thought, don't be driven by consumption. Don't let your stomach run your life. So I wanna introduce a really practical idea. I think you should start consuming less. There's two rules I want you to think about. One would be the half it rule. I think this is a really cool opportunity for this. I don't know if you've been thinking about this, but I have. What if you could live on half of what you live on right now? Like, what if you could use half the shampoo? Like, I'll be honest, I use lots of shampoo. I could use half of that, all right? What if I could use half of uh, the food that I eat? Listen, I like to eat. You, this is obvious, okay, right? So what if I lived on half of that or a little less of that? What would that look like? Some of us have twice as much stuff as we need. What if we could live on half of that? One of the things I've been doing right now is going through my closet and going, I haven't worn that shirt in a while, haven't worn that shirt in two years. I don't even know why I got that shirt still from college, you know? Okay, so I'm gonna go through those things and I'm gonna get rid of half 
of them, or some of you should have the none of it rule, okay? So the half of it rule and the none of it rule. Like the reality is for some of you right now, you're going, man, I'm struggling with alcohol consumption. I am struggling with how much I'm eating during this moment. I'm struggling with uh, purchasing things online right now and, and your consumption can't be filled. And you may be teetering on an addiction. And I would say, for some of you, the rule here should be the none of it rule. You should say, I'm gonna steer away from that. I'm not gonna let my appetite drive me. What I'm gonna consume is gonna be things that are life-giving to me, some things that are deeper and more important to me. I'm not gonna consume some of those other things that may consume me. What you consume will eventually consume you. So watch your consumption. Don't worry about these things. Jesus said, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. Watch your consumption. Number two, mind your expectation gap. Mind your expectation gap. I got a good buddy named Jim, and he has a a new business uh, called Tiller. And what he does is he uh, engages with people around their expectation Gap, And I think it's just a phenomenal idea that he's leading people in. He's saying, listen, here's how life works. You expect life to be here, but then life comes in down here and you get frustrated with the gap in the middle and you get angry with the gap in the middle and you try to fix the gap in the middle. And because of that, we have this massive expectation gap that is driving a lot of us to really unhealthy living. And and Jim would encourage us, uh, we need to simplify. We need to think about what's essential. We need to mind our expectation gap. For my visual learners here, this might help you better understand. Sometimes we expect we're going to go on Pinterest and create a cake of uh, Olaf for our kids for their birthday And so then we're like, okay, I know what I'm gonna do. And then we try to execute on that and this is what happens, right? Yeah, you got a mess on your hands, right? Expectation versus reality, okay? And we have this in piles right now because we didn't expect this virus. We didn't see it coming. You didn't expect the world to shut down right now, did you? You didn't expect your job to be gone. You didn't expect to be doing church online only. You didn't expect to have to homeschool your kids. You didn't see this coming and neither did I. And because of this, we have some um, extreme reactions to this moment, right? I think a a huge part of that is because we didn't have the proper expectation. We had a huge expectation gap that, that, that we expected life to go in a certain way and it has gone another way. And Jesus would continue and he'd say this, These things, and he's referring back to what should we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. They dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. If you don't have something worth believing in, your expectations are gonna be all over the place. But if you have something worth believing in, you can put your expectations and your hopes and your trust in that And that's going to satisfy. But if you put your hopes and your dreams and your expectations in other things that don't satisfy, what you're gonna end up with every single time is an expectation gap. That's what those who don't believe do. And I honestly think that's part of what we're seeing in the world around us. We're seeing people uh, get their lives blown apart by an expectation gap and they don't know how to come back from it. They don't know how to handle this moment. So I think we need to do two things. 
I think one, we need to set better expectations. We need to expect less and be thankful for more. We expect less and be thankful for more. One of the practical ways uh, that believers would do this is something called tithing. I know you're like, what? Right turn. Okay, follow me, okay? So, so here's one of the beliefs that Christians believe, right? In the Old Testament, there's this uh, passage about this priest, Melchizedek and Abraham, and they have this interaction where Abraham gives him a tenth of everything, and it sets up this thing we call the tithe, which just means 10%. And throughout scripture, this tithe, this 10% is set aside to give to God. And so essentially what those giving to God would say is, hey, I'm gonna give 10% to God. I'm gonna live off of 90%. I'm not gonna live off of 100%. I'm gonna actually live off of 90% and I'm gonna give off the top my first fruit to God. I'm gonna give him 10%. But that means you have to have a better expectation gap, right? It means you can't live a life where your expectations are up here, but what you're making is down here because you're automatically creating an expectation gap, right? And so what I want you to see here is we need to set a better expectation. We need to set realistic expectations. And then I need, think we need to, to go a little bit further. And here's what we need to do. We need to set our expectations on something or someone maybe who is greater and better and more solid and more lasting than any of your earthly expectations. And your mind will be focused then on something greater. What will it be focused on? It'll be focused on this, number three, pursuing the kingdom. This is where it really gets good. Jesus continues and says this, but instead of pursuing all those things, pursue this. Your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything that you need. Seek first the kingdom of God above all other things. This is worthy of being consumed by, right? We can allow the kingdom of God to consume us and we can put our hopes and we can put our expectations in the king. One of the things we've learned lately uh, that's been revealed is what is our king and who is our king? So some of us, let's be honest, we thought we were the king. And so we thought, well, we can provide for ourselves. We can take care of ourselves. We can take care of everything that we need. We got more than we need. And, and so we, we don't have less. We have more. And we've been providing that for ourselves. We're doing, doing a pretty good job. And suddenly we woke up and we got the phone call at the beginning of all this that our job was gone. And we realized, I, I don't think I can provide for myself right now. Some of us thought money's the king. Money's a good king. And then the stock market fell. And you thought, boy, I don't, I don't know how this king is providing for me. I don't know if I have a retirement fund left after all of this. Money doesn't seem to be a good king. Some of you thought my kids are my king. You maybe didn't ever say that, but you treated them like that, like they were the king. And now you've been locked in a house for many, many days together and you realize they are not the king, right? Some of you think your spouses are the king, but the spouse makes a bad king. 
C.S. Lewis would say it like this. They cannot hold the weight of glory. And I'm gonna get on a soapbox for just a, 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 a well, okay. I'll, I'll not get totally on the soapbox, just halfway up, okay? I'll say it short, I'll say it simple, I'll say it to the point. This whole thing has gotten majorly political. And I can tell you, no matter which side that you are on, no matter who you think should be in charge, they are not the king. Jesus is the king. And he says, you wanna know what the secret to life is? Pursue the real, true king. The only one that has everything that you need. Pursue him. Guess what? It's, it's even better than that. Like sometimes you don't even know what you need, but he knows what you need and he is a worthy king. So pursue the kingdom, pursue the king above all other things. And then last, simplify, simplify, simplify. Open the present. Open the present. So Jesus finishes up this section by saying this. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus would say, focus on today. Focus on the present. Because the present is the present. Follow me. The present is the present. Today, today is a gift. See, when we get these things ordered correctly, and we pursue the king and the kingdom above all other things. We get our expectations in line. We get our consumption in line. Then things get really clear for us and we can lean into the idea that today is a gift. Today is your gift. God, the giver of all good gifts, who supplies all your needs, has given you today. And so he wants you to open up that present. He wants you to pursue him, the gift that he gives you today. So what will you pursue today? What will you open today? Will you open worry? Will you, will you open overconsumption so that you can escape? Will you set ridiculously high standards and expectations only to be let down? Or will you pursue the king? And will you open the gift that is today? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for allowing us to pursue you. And God, I thank you even more that you pursued us before we pursued you. That in this moment, you're calling us to you in tangible ways, God, that, that for many of us, you, you allowed all that is happening right now so that it would draw us back to you. God, thank you that you've given us this opportunity right here and right now, today. This gift to pursue you and your kingdom, God, I ask that you would bring to mind tangible ways for us to simplify our lives, to seek what is only essential, 
to have everything else just fade away and for us to be able to clearly see you, the King, Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As we close, I want you to take one next step this week. Find one practical way to simplify to essential living and then share that experience with someone else. I want you to take what you've learned this morning. I want you to consider it. I want you to lean into it and find a practical, tangible way to simplify to essential living. And I want you to share that experience with someone else. As the band leads us in this song, would you just quiet yourself? Would you think of tangible, practical ways to live this out this week? And would you consider the gift of this